to look at our Lord's word in the hopes that it may help us to better reflect it. What a privilege we have this morning in the meeting before we come out here, the worship team was emphasizing this morning how privileged we are. That word has been ruined in a lot of ways over the past few years. I feel like we're not supposed to use it. I'm taking it back, people. We are a privileged people, and we need to own that because it glorifies the Father who has made us such. What a great privilege we've been given to be called by his name. Well, last week we saw how God chose to begin the Bible by making it clear that he has created all things and has always had authority and control over all things. In the creating of all things, he designed and crafted humans to display who he is as his physical representative steward of all that he made. Thus, the purpose of every human being ever made is to display who God is and what he puts before him or her to do. Every person in this room exists for the grand greatness to do. Absolutely. God is the is enough to talk about him in such a way that the term better seems nonsensical. That makes no sense. He is not just better. He is it. This is why that simple disclosure he made of himself to Moses at the burning bush is most likely the most amazing thing that two ears have ever heard. I am. Nobody else can say that. But our God, that's who he is. That is who God is. And it is our privileged purpose to display and represent him in whatever he puts before us to do. That is amazing. But what we didn't emphasize last week, what we didn't spend a lot of time on, is that it's also a bit problematic. God is great, magnificent, resplendent in beauty, beyond description, perfect and holy in every possible way. You and I, not so much. While God has made us for the sole purpose of displaying and reflecting his greatness and stewarding what he has entrusted to us, we, is, we have used the life he has given us to do other things. We do not rightly reflect who God truly is. People don't generally look at our lives and walk away thinking God is wonderful. We don't do what we were designed to do. The first clear and overt sign we see of this in scriptures in Genesis 3 When instead of reflecting God's rightful ownership, his good authority over his creation, his kind and sufficient provision to his people, instead of acting in such a way that represents who God truly is, Adam and Eve disobeyed him. They took the fruit he told them would bring death and to satisfy their desire to do what they wanted They corrupted the entire function of creation. And by the act of eating, an act that should produce life, an act that should reflect God's good, sustaining power and provision, they brought death. Not only in their lives, but also into every human that would ever come from them. Which, of course, is every single one of us. Every single human. They were to be fruitful and multiply good images of God. They were to populate his creation with good reflections of his goodness. But now they would be fruitful and multiply broken images of God. 
every human to follow would still bear God's image, but now the image they reflect, the way they represent who God is, would be a lie, a bold-faced lie. Of course, there are still true things that are represented and reflected about God in every single human. Hear me. There are still things, true things that are reflected about God in every single human. Humans breathe. We have hearts that beat. We have brains that think, process, and react. All things that we do that are not of our own doing. The very life of a human, at a minimum, reflects that God is in control of us, that God sustains us, that we are dependent beings who ultimately do not have ultimate power to maintain our being. This is one of the reasons that so many lost people love abortion and assisted suicide and the like. It gives them an opportunity to oppress the truth that every single living human being displays. The truth that every single human being or even the potential of human life displays the overt truth to which every single life testifies. There is a God and we are dependent upon him. But while every human reflects some things that are true about God, no human always and only reflects things that are true about God. Whenever we do something that does not perfectly represent who God is, we do something that lies about who God is. We bear false testimony about the one we are made to rightly image, to rightly display, to rightly glorify. We can't just decide that we are going to stop living lives that lie about God and start only doing things that rightly reflect who he is. We can't do that. Not only because it's absolutely impossible, but also because it's too late. Let's do some math. You see, God is holy and perfect, and he always has been. Who he is right now is the same as he always has been. So he cannot be rightly reflected, imaged and represented now by something that at any time has ever been unperfect, that has ever been unholy. If a thing that has been unperfect in the past, a thing has been unperfect in the past, it can never be said that it has always been perfect. There was a time when that thing was flawed. There was a time when that thing erred or proved to be deficient. So no matter how perfect and holy a person may seem to be now, seem to be now, that person will never be able to rightly claim that he or she has always been that way. Therefore, that person will never be able to rightly and fully represent someone who has always been perfect and holy. Someone who has been deficient can never be the exact imprint of someone who has always been without deficiency. Just too late. It's too late. So here we are. All of us, humans, made for a purpose that none of us fulfill. In such a state, we are doomed to eternal dissatisfaction. 
Since we cannot do what we were made to do, we will always be discontent. We will always be frustrated. We will always be angry and anxious. True peace will always elude us no matter how much we gain, no matter how much we accomplish, no matter how we set up the structure of our life, home, or community, no matter what we do or experience, we will always be less than what we were meant to be. And no matter how we try to deceive ourselves, we will always know it. Deep inside, we will always know that we were made for more and we are living short of that for which we were designed. It's inescapable. And we aren't the only ones who know it. The one who designed us to be more, he's well aware of our deficiency. And he's not okay with it. He is jealous for his glory. He is jealous for his name. He will not tolerate being misrepresented. So that which he has made to represent him will either willingly represent him rightly, or it will rebelliously represent him rightly. Instead of experiencing the eternally satisfying joy of willingly fulfilling the purpose for which they were made, his broken image bearers will instead in their rebellion, fulfill his purpose for them by rightly reflecting his wrath, his justice, his power, his holiness, as they pay the eternally endless price of misrepresenting an eternally perfect God. All image bearers will indeed do what God designed them to do. But all of us will not do it in the same way. Thank you, Jesus. We will either be holy and perfect as God is holy and perfect and rightly and willingly reflect, reflect his perfection back to him. Or we will remain in our rebellion and exist in eternal darkness where forever dying, we will reflect God's magnificent worth as we endure the just penalty of rebelling against his infinite greatness. Because every human being is born in an inherited state of rebellion, that second form of image bearing is where everyone is headed. All of us were born headed that place. That is the domain into which every single human is born. And that is the domain under which every single human is destined to remain. The domain of blind darkness and eternal death. Unless... They are delivered from that domain. Unless they are delivered from their bondage of rebellion and transferred and transformed into compliance with their purpose. Unless the work is done for us. This is exactly what the apostle Paul was writing about to his brothers and sisters that he had not yet met in the Colossian church. In the first chapter of Colossians, he writes, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God. 
the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. In him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything, everything, he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. In you, you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Before this, before this section of the letter, Paul makes it clear that he is addressing those who have faith in Christ Jesus. That's who he's talking to. To those who have faith in Christ Jesus, Paul says, you have been delivered out of the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of God's beloved son. Who is the son of which he speaks? Who, who is the king of the domain into which you have been transferred? Who is the one who represents the kingdom in which you were now identified? Who is the chief of the illuminated land in which you now live? Who is the head of the family by which you were now named? He is the image of the invisible God. He is the physical display of who God is. He is the one, the only one who fulfilled the purpose for which humanity was made. As the author of Hebrews wrote, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus. He is the firstborn of creation. A firstborn in the sense that he is the one to whom it belongs. He has the rights and position of the firstborn. Creation is his inheritance. And thus he is preeminent. He's most important and chiefly significant amongst it. After all, he created it. He was active in creating everything. And everything that was being created was created for him. All of it, all of this was and is about him. It was for him, the image of the invisible God. The image bearer. Everything was made for the one who perfectly displays God in creation. Furthermore, it was also made for the one who was the head of the church. 
the chief of God's clan, so to speak. The preeminent representative who perfectly represents God's chosen people. The very name by which God's chosen people are identified. Ever think about that? Christian. That's how you tell somebody if they ask you what your religion is. You actually wear the name of the one who fulfills the purpose for which you were made. Christ. He is also the firstborn of the dead. He's not only preeminent in the first creation, he is also preeminent in the new creation. All that has been and will be redeemed. He is the primary point of emphasis. He maintains chief position. Everything that was created and everything that is being redeemed into new creation was and is all for him. Why? Because in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Because he was the perfect display of God, the perfect representation, the perfect image. So as the one sent by God to perfectly image and represent him in the midst of all that has been created, God is pleased to make a reckoning of all the rebellion that has taken place in his creation. The perfect display of God, God's eternal son, who took on physical form to perfectly represent him amongst all that has been made. He reconciles everything. He makes everything right. Because of him, everything will do what God created it to do. You know, sometimes I don't know that we understand that word reconcile correctly. We don't understand what it means to have a a reckoning. A reckoning is not simply making it better for you. Where I come from, when somebody used to say there's going to be a reckoning, it wasn't always puppy dog tails and roses. That could have been what some of y'all refer to as a come to Jesus meeting. We're going to set accounts right. He makes a reckoning of everything. One way or the other. Because of Jesus, those who continue to rebel will display who God is in their eternal, everlasting destruction. But not for one second throughout all eternity will God's mercy, grace, patience, love, or faithfulness ever be in question. Why? Because Jesus, because Jesus, the perfect reflection of who God is, provided the free opportunity to be represented by him before God to anyone who would churn from their rebellion to follow him. Yet they chose to remain in and embrace their rebellion. So now and forevermore, their eternal condemnation will always stand as a testimony to the mercy, grace, patience, love, and faithfulness that God extends to them through Jesus Christ, extended to them through Jesus Christ. Understand, they will never want to be right with him. We get confused about this. We think that when judgment occurs and God comes down and everybody sees who he is, that all of a sudden people are going to be like, oh, I wish I had known. Give me chapter and verse. 
You can't. That's not going to be what happens because they can see everything they need to know about God right now. They will continue to be in rebellion forever. Newsflash. You didn't start thinking Jesus was great because you changed your mind about it. He did that. So throughout all of eternity, those who rebel now will continue and said rebellion. So now and forevermore, their eternal condemnation will always stand as a testimony to the mercy, grace, patience, love, and faithfulness that God extends to them through Jesus Christ. They will never want to be right with him and their necessary, eternal, nonstop punishment for rejecting such a great God will necessarily always reflect how great the God who they rejected is. Such a punishment for the wrongdoing reflects the immeasurable rightness of the one who has been wronged. So in their right and everlasting condemnation, they will rightly reflect the eternal righteousness of the one they were made to display. However, however, this is not how the image of the invisible God, Christ Jesus, reconciles those who have faith in and follow him. Grace Fellowship, if you want something to be thankful about this Thursday, listen up. Of those in that number, in the number that have faith in Jesus, Paul says, you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order for the purpose, for the reason, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Holy in what way? Blameless of what? Above reproach in what sense? What was it that you were doing that was not holy as God is holy? What was it you were doing that you could be blamed for? Brothers and sisters, what, what was it that you were doing that made it possible for a just accusation to be brought against you? You did not fulfill the purpose for which you were made. You did evil deeds, deeds absent of God's goodness, deeds that reflected God was not as great as he actually is. You were hostile towards him. You did not want to be with him, doing what he designed you to do. But instead of being doomed to the domain of eternal darkness, God amazingly transferred you into the kingdom of his glorious son, the one who is the light of the world. And he says, let there be light upon the new creation so that I will no longer see the chaos of their disordered rebellion, but instead my spirit will reorder this creation to rightly represent me in the likeness of my son, the true and better Adam by whom I will always be rightly represented and will always enjoy seeing myself reflected back to me. The creative work that God is doing in us through the redemption of Jesus Christ by the spirit is oddly familiar to the creation of all things. The Lord is using his spirit to reorder the chaos of your life. That it would look like him. What in the world? 
Do you even know you? I sit here saying this. I've, I've, I've been going over this message, typing it, re- redoing it. Every time I get to this point, I'm like, why in the world would you do this for me? Like, I've been driving down the street this week and looked up at the sky, like the Lord's in the sky. And I said, do you know me? Why in the world would you choose me? I'm terrible. But you, the creator of all things, is working in me to make me look like you? But we were that he is. Now look, the primary thing that I want you to understand for all of us to comprehend for the way we live our life is that we have been made to display who God is. If you haven't picked up on that yet and you've got a teaching guide, write that down. That's why you exist. We all exist to display who God is. This is the great privileged purpose we have been given. None of us do it. None of us do it. We are both born into a state where we immediately are not doing it, and each of us chooses not to do it of our own volition. We choose to represent other things. We make him lesser, which in and of itself, by the way, is a reflection of who he's not. So when we do anything else, anything we do in a way that does not perfectly represent him as we were designed to do, that action is worth us being condemned forever. That action should separate us from him forever. I think we think about sin as like a good and bad thing, like black and white, as though you're ever going to do something that perfectly reflects who God is. Look, brothers and sisters, the best thing you're ever going to do on the face of this planet very likely is going to have enough in it to condemn you forever to an eternal hell. It's not as easy as we like to make those things out to be. Other religions try to sell that kind of stuff. That ain't the way the Bible presents what we're supposed to do. That's not the way the Bible presents sin. When we do anything else, anything we do in a way that does not perfectly represent him as we were designed to, that action could separate us from him forever. It should separate us from him forever. It makes us broken trash that should rightly be done away with. And that is what you will be. That's what I am. That's what all of us are, unless we are fixed. The way we are fixed is not by our own power. A dead and broken thing cannot fix itself. Show me an example of that. No, we are fixed by the active work of our maker through his son, Christ Jesus, who has come to pay the penalty for our rebellion. And not only that, but through the power of his resurrection has secured new life that he gives to his followers that we may be covered in him. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation, no longer broken. So when the father looks upon us, he no longer sees our brokenness and our deficiency. Instead, he sees the grace and mercy that has been poured over us by the work of Jesus Christ and sees us as being in him. So he sees a right reflection of who he is when we are in Christ because he sees the work he has done to bring us into and keep us in Christ. So now, because of the saving and sustaining work of Jesus, we certainly do what we were made to do. If you are in Christ, you are fulfilling your purpose. You are being the image. Of course, 
for our part, we still do not represent our Lord fully in the way that we ought to. Right? Like I said, you know this. When people look at your life, they just don't go, oh, Jesus. If they do, it's probably not a compliment. But because we are in Christ, we are part of him. Part of what he is doing. And we are now working out a salvation that has already been put in us and is being worked out of us so that we look more and more like Christ. This is the process of sanctification. We are being made more and more into his image. And then when he returns and we are resurrected and redeemed fully and finally to live with him forever perfectly, we will rightly and always bear the image we were designed to reflect And there will never, ever, ever be a chance of us not doing it again. Done. Signed, sealed, delivered. His. Because of Christ Jesus, this is secured. As he has been the perfect imprint of the Father, we too will reflect the Father perfectly. Of course, listen to me. We're only human and we will always be limited and finite. So we can't do it in the same capacity as Christ, but we can and will fulfill our purpose, the purpose for which we have been made because we are in Christ. If that's our future, that's what we're headed to. It's been secured for us. We own it now. Why would we be concerned with doing anything else? Right now, if we own the inheritance we will have, why are we concerned with doing anything else now? Honestly, like, is college football really that satisfying? Is Instagram really that interesting? Is your temporal citizenship in this place really that tantalizing? Is whatever you're doing that is pulling your attention away from rightly representing your Lord, is it really giving you the fulfillment you think you were made to have? Look, I know that voice. I know that voice in your head. I have that voice too. Well, those things aren't bad. I mean, the things I do, they're not necessarily bad. But I get that. I I hear that thing. That might be true. But I'm going to tell you what I try to remember to tell that voice in my head that says, those things aren't all that bad. This is what I try to remember to tell myself. I'm not saying those things are bad, but what I am saying is there is no possible way they are anywhere near as good. There is no possible way they can ever begin to satisfy, like fulfilling my purpose of knowing and showing my Lord. Why is it that we're not about doing this? Brothers and sisters, why are we not about doing this and nothing else? Why are we not consumed with this? If a foolish man like Malcolm X, who wasted his life on a lie, could say by any means necessary, but we who have been enlightened to see the truth... 
seem to be looking like we are living lives that will say by any means that are convenient. Why would we who have been given eyes to see be satisfied with anything less than what our eyes have seen? If you have faith, if you've been given faith, you've seen Christ. You've seen the glory of God. We have seen a magnificent glimpse of his greatness. Why are we looking? Why in the world are we looking for anything else? Why would we not say by any means necessary, we will endeavor to see more that we may better represent and enjoy him. We will not be satisfied with a fading foretaste of glory divine, but instead we will encourage one another and use all of our effort and energy to say more, more, more. Brothers and sisters, let us run together to get more, to fill ourselves on the abundance our Savior has made available to us by the great cost of the shedding of his blood. We have been, get, we have been invited to a feast of perpetual and unexplainable satisfaction. Let us go eat on this and never be satisfied with the artificial junk of this world ever again. Let's go after our Savior, forsaking everything else. Am I crazy? I think I'm just quoting the Bible. But I know my life doesn't look like it. Does yours? But together we decided to stop doing the other junk and really go hard after Jesus. To sacrifice everything, you know, the way he called his disciples to. Is he a liar? Can he not be trusted? Are the things you were holding on to more valuable than Jesus says they are? I'm not yelling at you. I know I am yelling at you, but I'm not yelling at you. Yelling because I want this too. Let us remind one another that nothing else matters in light of this end. And the only reason anything else can truly matter is because of this end. All that matters is pursuing Christ and looking like him and whatever the father puts before us to do. All that matters is rightly representing and magnifying the Lord and whatever lies before us. And look, of course, in doing and doing that, the Lord will bring things into your life that are very practical. Look, you, you, most of you have jobs. You have a house to keep. You may have a spouse. You may have children. You have to pay taxes, interact with your government, your community, organizations, and other people. But you have been made to carry out every single one of those practical responsibilities in direct response to making the greatness of our God known. That's why they're there. As a matter of representing him and nothing else, listen to me, brothers and sisters, our Lord will have no rivals to the agenda he has for your life. He has kindly and graciously bought you with a great price and nothing other than enjoying that purchase should matter to us. And the proportion in which it does is the proportion in which you are missing out. Listen, listen, just, if you stop and think about it, just stop and think about it, be reasonable. It is objectively crazy that we don't choose to live life fully and solely committed to displaying who God is. 
abundantly satisfying life has been won for us. The blood of Jesus Christ has won this victory. The inheritance is sure and secured. Why are we not busy spending it? We've been fooled. We've been deceived. We deceive ourselves. And we allow ourselves to be satisfied with artificial fruit that tickles the taste buds, but starves our souls. Let us stop living in this obvious delusion. Let us stop filling ourselves with artificial flavors. Let us taste and see that the Lord is good. Let us exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, to dine upon his true goodness and to forsake everything else for the sake of knowing Christ, knowing him in his death and in his resurrection, that we may fulfill the purpose for which he has graciously made us. In doing so, all else will fade away. Let us look to our Savior and live like him. Look like him. Not try to manipulate him to look like us or mold him into what we want him to look like. Let us pursue our God as his son did when he was here. And we will taste the joy that the son was able to bank upon as he endured the cross, scorning its shame, but looking forward to what lied ahead. I got a promise for you. I have an absolute promise for you. Without a doubt, I can 100% assure what I'm about to tell you. I know this is the best offer you're ever going to get for your life. This is the best possible deal you're ever going to get. Nobody can ever offer you anything better. No scholarship, no job offer, no relationship, no idealistic government that gives you what you want. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all that you need will be added to you. But none of it will ever rival the one that you're seeking. If it does, you're off base. And seeking our Lord first, foremost, and solely you will start to look like him because of the work Christ is doing in you. No, none of us can do it. But because of the effective work of Jesus Christ, we can be redeemed in such a way that we now start working in concert with our father instead of rebellion against him. And in doing so, he sees his son with whom he is well pleased working in us. And seeing his son in us and us in him, he gives us his inheritance to enjoy now. And forevermore. Why be about anything else? Why be about anything else? Enjoy what you've been made for and enjoy what your God has redeemed you to do. Be in his image and experience the joy of true fulfillment. As the band's coming up, Let's just talk about something practical. I, I get I've not talked about a small subject matter this morning. I'm only asking you to sacrifice everything in your life to do what your life was made to do. I get it. That's a lot. We don't talk about that a lot. It's part of the problem. We talk about other junk instead of the primary stuff. I get it. So I just want to, let me just want to encourage you. If you're sitting there and thinking, yeah, that's great, Zach. I, I, I love your passion. You're super motivated. That's wonderful, but that's not me. That's just not true. That's a lie. Read your Bible. 
day of life supposed to be about other stuff? What was it supposed to be about pursuing God with all you are? But now, can I just encourage you to help one another? Like, encourage one another to remember that, yeah, there's stuff you got to do, but there's a purpose behind it. Let's stop buying the lie that the world is just selling to us all the time. Like, I mean, there's a full court press out there, brothers and sisters. The reason this doesn't, might not sound true to you is because you've been lied to your whole life. Right? The enemy doesn't want you to get this. This is world changing. We saw it happen to a few guys in the Bible who got this. It changes everything. So I'm going to give you something just real practical to take with you and think through. A little catchphrase. Put it on a t-shirt if you need to. Know and show. Know and show. Do everything you can to know and better show who God is. Read your Bible, but look, don't simply read the Bible. Try to figure out what it's communicating in there. Figure out what the authors of these pages are trying to show you about who God is. Become a better reader. Get better at paying attention. Listen carefully to what others say about what they have read in the Bible. If that person is working in concert with God's purpose for the Bible, displaying who he is, if they do that, listen to them. If they don't, stop listening to them. They're about something else. You're not doing the same thing. If you constantly hear people preaching Bible and they're not talking about the greatness of God, if they're not talking about the person of Jesus Christ, if they're not making much of the Lord, change your YouTube feed. Stop. They're doing something that you shouldn't be about. Do something else. Find somebody else. And then live with people. Look, I I, I get it. I'm always constantly knocking the internet and stuff. If somebody else can tell me something good about it, I'll be happy to stop. But... I just see it as being junk for the most part. How about you live with brothers and sisters? You read your Bible and you hear what other people say when they're reading their Bible and you listen to them because you go, I see that person looking more like Jesus. Maybe I ought to learn something about them. They actually look like the Lord. You know what? Maybe I could tell somebody something I saw in the scriptures about who God is that might help them better look like Jesus. There's like 400 people here, guys. Let's exhaust this resource before we start outsourcing it to people we don't even know who could be making videos or poster junk and then in their life, they're terrible. They look nothing like Jesus. Stop it. Stop it. I feel like Newhart. Stop it. Look, this isn't rocket science. Learn to know the Lord. Know him more. Know and show. Grow in who he is. Understanding what he's about. Know him more and then commit your life to showing what you know. And when you've done that, go find more. Look, if you find out everything there is to know about the Lord, like come live with me because I still got stuff to learn. If you exhaust that, if you finish fully knowing the Lord and showing who he is, then we'll talk about moving on to other things. I'll see you in 150 years. (laughs) It ain't going to be enough. So focus upon that. Now look, okay, again, I've said a lot here. I appreciate your attention and your patience. If you want some more help about moving forward with this, this is just me talking at you. Uh, We want to be helpful to you. I want to be helpful to you. I think I've made it pretty, pretty clear. I've got nothing better to do with my time. If you want to talk more about who God is, about knowing and showing him, let's get together. Let's talk. But also beyond that, we have a team of people who want to talk to you who want to help you in taking the next steps in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So at the bottom of your teaching guide there, you'll see a little QR code. 
scan that with your phone. Reach out to people that can pray with you. They can get, get you in contact with me if you've got some questions about the message. They can help you in better pursuing who our Lord is. They want to do that. We want to be a resource for you. Okay? Take advantage of that. Don't let the day go away. Have something meaningful to be thankful for come Thursday. Have something meaningful, meaningful to be thankful for right now as we exalt and sing to our Lord.